Some of my labors will be over, and it will reach that happy strand, where with my friends and loved ones I unmet will dine. I will forget my earthly trials as I join in that heavenly band, singing and shouting on that shore where Jesus is mine. Shouting and praising, voices up raising, glory divine. Joy that's so divine. Going to glory, telling the story, Jesus is mine. He is ever mine. I've been given treasures in heaven, I'll not repine. I shall not repine. Homeward I'm going, happy I'm knowing, Jesus is mine. Shouting and praising, voices up raising, glory divine. Going to glory, telling the story, Jesus is mine. I've been given treasures in heaven, I'll not repine. I shall not repine. Homeward I'm going, happy I'm knowing, Jesus is mine. He's mine. We uh, we need to praise the Lord for His salvation He gives us. You know, you'd feel a lot better if you uh, just uh, praise the Lord a little bit once in a while during the day. You know, you hit when you hit your thumb with a hammer. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you're cussing, right? And everything, give thanks. And work a little harder to try to be a little more accurate with the hammer, right? <laughs> And the name of this next song is um, Praise His Name. No other name like Jesus. Wonderful Savior. spotless lamb was he with courage and submission praise his name convicted not of anything but my iniquity it was for my remission praise his name blessed name
became the sacrificial lamb that died for me. His stripes are for my healing, praise his name. And he absorbed my blackest sins while hanging on a tree. His blood is for my healing, praise his name. Blessed name, Lamb of God forevermore.
Page 160, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Grady, could I have that, please? Thank you, sir. 160. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace? Hour. Are you washed blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are they washed blood of the Lamb? Now, we've done this before, and uh, if you have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, just watch. And when we get down to that course, if you'll just say, yes, I am, it fits right in with uh, the thing. And so just watch, and we'll do that a couple of times. And first time, half of you will do it. Second time, third of you, no. Uh, we'll see if we can't get this thing down tonight, okay? Here we go. Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Get ready. Are you washed? Yes, I am in the blood. Yes, I am in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white, pure and white in the blood of the Lamb? Will your souls be ready for the mansion's bride and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Let's hear it. Are you washed? Yes, I am in the blood. Yes, I am in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? One more time, lay aside the garments that are stained with sin. Washed in the blood of the Lamb, there's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed? Yes, I am in the blood. Yes, I am in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And all God's people said, yeah. you may be seated. And we need to get a count here. 
If you are a teenager and you are staying for the fellowship afterwards, or uh, you can sneak in as a teenager, uh, Mrs. Marshall said she can, so uh, we'll see how that works out. But uh, all of those, uh, if you'd uh, raise uh, one hand or something like that, and uh, let's get a count here. Uh, and let's, uh, one, two, you're staying, right? Three, he said he was eating pizza before. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. 12, 13, 14, 15. Oh, we'll let mom come, 16. You gonna come? Okay. All right, then that gives us a good count and we'll figure out how to get that stuff here. But, uh, and don't forget tomorrow morning, men, 8.30. Now, Ted and Dave are showing up at 7 o'clock to start cooking everything. And so if you guys don't come to eat, they're going to get you Sunday morning, all right? Uh, because not everybody gets up at 7 o'clock on Saturday morning just to come in and fix you breakfast, amen? And uh, so, men, uh, we encourage you to be here not only for the breakfast, but for the spiritual food as well. Uh, time geared to teaching men about men. You know, promise keepers thought they came up with something brand new a few years ago. We'll help men be men. The only problem is Jesus and his church have been doing that for centuries, amen, ever since there was a church. And so let's uh, not play with Johnny come lately. Let's just do it the right way. Amen. And so, guys, we want you to come, want you to be here if at all possible. You say, what excuses are acceptable, Pastor? Well, uh, death in the family, preferably your own. Amen. Uh, other than that, you ought to be here. Amen. Now, how many of you got a blessing last night in the service? Wasn't that... Uh, and let me, I'm looking forward to getting a blessing tonight, and I'm looking forward to getting another one in the teen meeting. And uh, Brother... Grady's going to be preaching for the teens tonight, so it's going to be good. And uh, and uh, then Brother Marshall will be speaking to us tomorrow morning. Mrs. Marshall is going to be preaching for the ladies. Uh, that's the only way Bible preaching happens when ladies preach to ladies. Amen. And uh, so we're going to be doing that. And then, of course, all day Sunday. Don't forget, if you want to take some music home with you, it's right over there in the back corner and take some of that home with you. Let's sing one more song. I just like to make my wife run up and down. Let's turn to 415, leaning on the everlasting arms. And as soon as we're done, we'll turn it over to the marshals. They'll give us some more of that wonderful music. And then Brother Marshall will preach to us. 415. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. On that last, what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms, peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning, 
Well, this is a good song we have here tonight. This next one is not that the others weren't, but uh, uh, this song is about the Father's love, how deep the Father's love. And uh, I, I can never, ever, at least on this earth, I never understand why the Lord saved me. Um, I didn't realize how terrible a sinner. I knew I was lost and needed to be saved. But I didn't realize how wicked and how sinful I was until after I got saved. And God began to show me from his book things that <coughs> I had done. And, uh, you know, I believe, uh, as I said last night, the, the main thing is that you're convicted of a lost condition, that you know you're going to hell. And uh, yes, I I was convicted of some sin, but mainly smoking cigarettes. That's what was what I told the preacher when I came into his office and trying to find out how to be saved. That was the thing that God convicted me about more than anything else. And uh, I don't know that I was practicing anything, any other habitual sins, but things I'd done in the past, they all uh, came up, and I had to deal with those things. And so uh, salvation um, is not only an instantaneous act, but it's, as far as being delivered from your sins, uh, sometimes takes some time Amen. to get the victory over. And, and sometimes things you're doing, you may not even realize that they're wrong in the eyes of God. And he'll show you those things as you seek his face and you draw closer to him. And so, how deep the Father's love. I praise his name for his love and for the sacrifice that he made for me. the Father's love for us, how vast beyond no measure, that he should give his only Son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished His dying breath has brought me life I know that it is finished 
I want to mention something about I want to mention something about the uh, the CDs uh, and the tapes that belong to the family. Um, they, these young ladies own those. Um, the only thing I have is uh, one guitar tape and uh, some DVDs. I've been putting on DVD some of the uh, videos that we made years ago, and also messages that. Uh, we had taped in different places of different preachers and and try to make those available. Um, we have um, <coughs> some, I believe, I think we have some DVDs. I don't know if um, we got rid of all of them in the last church or not, but you can order them on the web. You can order any of the music on the web if you have a computer or by telephone or whatever, by uh, stagecoach however you choose. You can get in contact with us. All right, that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, we don't, don't want to get too commercial. <coughs> but it is, a, it is a ministry, and we've, I've been asked to uh, a couple times to sell different things and on a table, and I just don't want to do that. I want it to be a ministry, and I want it to be a blessing. This next song they're going to do, I know will be a blessing. It's entitled More Love. Stay. 
I'll have you turn to the book of Luke, uh, chapter 9, and we're uh, going to look at many different scriptures, and this is just a, a starting point, really, because I'm dealing with the topical subject of just one word, and uh, I'll have you stand to your feet as we go to Luke, <coughs> chapter 9, and Begin with verse 57. See, when we have you stand on your feet, it uh, helps the blood to get circulated up in your brain, keeps you awake, more alert. And, uh, and that's a cause for that, okay? You folks look so serious. You, you never know when I'm, you know, teasing a little bit. And uh, you need to loosen up, okay? Except uh, when it gets serious. Verse 57, I'm going to read the background of this. But like I said, we're going to be looking. I hope you'll... Do you, do you mind... Uh, <coughs> I like to see you, as uh, Brother Pope said one time, I like to see you raise your head up and down, you know, get ready to look. And then he did about six times in a message and... But I just enjoy seeing you raise your head up and down. Let me tell you, no. Uh, um, do you mind uh, looking at uh, scriptures as I give them to you? You, you want me to 
give them to you without looking, or does he like to look at the scriptures? How many understand what I'm saying? I'm going to be looking at several different scriptures, all right? Do you like to turn to the different verses and read them with me? I, I mean, uh, you know, look at them while I read them. Is that all right? I, I don't, uh, I really don't try to quote a lot of scriptures. Uh, Lord, just, I mean, I memorize and I get up and I usually mess it up. So I, I'm getting old and feeble and so I don't care what you think of me or as far as uh, how polished I am, or they said that, um, uh, what's his name? The Southern Baptist preacher down in um, Fort Worth, that Chris Well, preached all the way through the Bible without notes. Well, bless his heart. I'm glad he could do that. <coughs> I don't do it, I don't try it. In Luke chapter 9, verse 57, yeah, 57, it says, It came to pass that, that as they went into the way, in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. They said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I want to speak on the subject of look. Look and looking in the Bible tonight. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessing on your word. As we look into it, we thank you, God in heaven, for this word. We ask that, Lord, you would uh, meet needs tonight. We pray that you would bring conviction where it's needed. We pray, God, that you would bring correction. We pray that you would bring uh, comfort where it's needed. Uh, Lord, we ask that your will would be accomplished this evening in our hearts. Uh, there's a reason for us being here tonight, and it's an eternal reason. And Lord, I pray that you would guide my lips and my mind and my heart. And, and, and uh, Lord, that you would keep me on track and not let me say anything that I should not, but say what I should. And I pray for anyone here tonight that does not know you. That Lord, that you would uh, uh, let them see their eternal destiny, see where they're going in eternity, and think about that matter. And, uh, Lord, may you bring uh, the conviction in our heart would cause them to flee under the cross for salvation. Lord, we ask for your blessing now in Christ's name and for his sake. And you may be seated. What's in a look? I remember this uh, cartoon in uh, the cartoon strip in the papers years ago. Uh, of Mutt, Mutt and Jeff. How many of you remember that? Mutt and Jeff, okay. That, that dates you, right? Uh, but uh, I don't know whether it was Mutt or Jeff, which one it was, but uh, one of them went out on the street corner and just started looking up, just like that. He, stood, he had a suitcase with him, and he just set it down on the sidewalk and just started looking up. And uh, somebody came along and said, what is it? And he didn't, he didn't say a word. Uh, they started looking up, and then another one, another one. 
and pretty soon there was a crowd of people just looking up. What, what do you see? What do you see? What is it? And when the crowd had gathered to uh, be pretty large, uh, mud, I guess it was, opened up a suitcase and started selling liniment for stiff necks. Um, I think about uh, an evangelist, been here, had a lot to do with this church, Larry Clayton, said he and one of his buddies went downtown Cleveland one night, and Larry just started looking up in the air and saying, look up, look up, and people started looking up and said, what is it? And he said, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh, and he started preaching the gospel to them. Well, let me just say this. The Bible tells us, first of all, where not to look. And that's what we read here in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, where it said, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Uh, remember Lot's wife. She looked back and was turned into a pillar of salt. Uh, we, need, we need to realize that we're in this for the long run. We're in uh, Christ for eternity. And we need not give up. Uh, we should not give up. We should not look back. There should not be anything that uh, turns us back away from following Jesus Christ and what he'd have us to do. Remember the one said, uh, he said, uh, uh, suffer me first to go bury my father. And he said, let the dead bury the dead. Another said, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And... Uh, that's when he said, No man having put his hand to plow and looketh back is fit for the kingdom of God. So we uh, cannot let anything turn us aside, uh, family or friends or any duty that we feel like that we uh, need to take care of. Uh, when God calls, when he says, Go do this, we need to go do that, what he tells us to do. Then look in Luke chapter 21. You're in the book of Luke. In chapter 21, and, and there we read these words about looking. Luke 21, verse 25 and 27. And he says in that passage of Scripture, There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Haven't we seen that? Tsunami and a storm Katrina. And all, all the distress of nations today, verse 26, men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking around after those things which are coming on the earth, the powers of heaven shall be shaken. You know, we've never had an enemy like we have now. We had the uh, kamikaze, was that what you call them, kamikaze pilots during the Second World War, but they were coming in planes and we knew they were coming. When we saw the plane coming, we knew... Uh, that they were loaded with bombs and, uh, and the pilot was going to drive that plane right into ship and they didn't come uh, to our country. But now we never know who might slip through security, uh, get in our country somewhere and um, have a bomb on them and blow themselves up and blow a bunch of people up. We never know. Men's hearts failing for fear and looking for those things which are coming to pass upon the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And when they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, or then they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. He's, what he's uh, telling us here 
uh, it says, for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. What we need to do as Christians is not look at the things that are happening on this earth, but look up and look for the redemption. Look for the time when Jesus will come back. Look in 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. And in that passage of Scripture, it tells us this. Chapter 4, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are uh, seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He's telling us there not to look at these, get our eyes fastened upon these material things. Look around at things and get our eyes upon things. And that is what the uh, advertisement community tries to get us to do, is to look at things so we'll buy those things and many times uh, put herself into debt to get those things. And the Lord uh, is telling here through Apostle Paul that uh, we need to look at the things which are not seen. For the things which are temporal uh, are the things that we see with the naked eye, but the things that are eternal are the things that we see with the spiritual eye. So we need to keep our eyes on eternity and on God. And then uh, going over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. And there it says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. We have a society today that's wrapped up in themselves. They, the uh, a word that the sociologists and the psychologists use is egotistical or ego-centered. Uh, it's just a natural thing for us to uh, think about ourselves. And I think about an individual uh, that talks, a young man that just talks about himself a lot. And I know he's concerned about other people, which you wonder sometimes. He's just always, I mean, most of the time, uh, talking about himself or something involves him. And you know what? We need to wake up to the fact that there's other people out there. And we need to set our hearts and our minds upon helping other people. Uh, trying to help other people. Trying to reach them with the gospel. Trying to help them uh, meet their needs. And he says, uh, look every man on, not, not, not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Get our eyes off ourselves and on somebody else. And uh, I may have told you this, but my brother Dave is just uh, four years younger than me. He's never been to college. He's a brick mason, block mason, or whatever you want to call him. Uh, I don't mean he belongs to the masons, but he's a mason. And, and he, uh, for many years, he and his wife have worked with college students. They are making a, a film about those uh, uh, football players at Marshall University. Did you hear about those players that got killed in the plane several years ago? You know, he was working with an organization that uh, won uh, several of those men to Christ. Uh, so praise God. Uh, some of them got saved, that got killed in that crash. But uh, he told me, and this was many years ago, he told me, he said, uh, it used to be that uh, 
when a fresh freshman came in, it would take them about a year to realize that, that there was somebody else around them, you know. Uh, look there, there's, a, there's another person like me. They were so self-centered. He said, now, and this was, uh, like I said, uh, about 15 years later, he said, it's, it's, it takes them to the junior year to figure out that there's somebody else around them, that somebody else might need some help that they might do something for somebody else. We need to get our eyes off ourselves and on others, uh, looking through Christ, of course. The Bible not only tells us where not to look, it tells us how to look. Or would you look in Hebrews chapter 12? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. In that verse, we see this. Looking diligently, lest any man fall the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. We need to be careful as a church that a root of bitterness doesn't spring up. It's like a poison. You know that? I've, I've seen that in churches, and it's, it is so sad and it's so depressing when somebody gets upset and they start talking about the church or about the pastor and a root of bitterness springs up and we need the grace of God. We need His help. We need to continually pray that a root of bitterness does not spring up. We need to look diligently. It tells us how to look. In Acts chapter 7, if you go back to the left in your Bible, chapter 7, a book of Acts. And in that chapter, in verse 7, I'm sorry, in verse 55, it says about Stephen, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly unto heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. So not only must we look diligently and be sure that there's nothing uh, springs up in our midst or any bitterness comes that spoils the peace of God in the body of Christ. But we also need to do like Stephen did there when he was stoned to death. He looked steadfastly up into heaven. And so we need to be steadfast about this, looking to God. Now, uh, moving on, it tells us where to look. And we're Things are kind of uh, meshed together here as far as this is concerned, but in Hebrews chapter 12, back there again in verse 2, Hebrews 12, we're getting some exercise with our fingers tonight. And um, let your fingers do the walking through the Bible. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, Watch this, though, in verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the rate, the race that is set before us. Reminds me of that student when I was teaching uh, junior high school. I was telling him, I, the first time I'd heard this, but he, was, uh, he ran track, and he told me that he put weights on in his shoes or had shoes that had weights and the soles of him to make his uh, feet heavier so that he would exercise his legs more in running. And then he'd uh, 
take them off, of course, when he ran the race, and he'd be able to run a lot better. We need to get rid of those weights. You know what I'm saying? So we can run the race better. He said, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, looking unto Jesus, looking unto him. That's where we should look. It's amazing how much more joy we would have if we would just keep looking to Jesus in our life, in our race. And then uh, in Luke 21, back in Luke chapter 21 and verse 28, we have here these words. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. We need to look up to the Lord. Right now, it looks to me like that the Lord is coming soon. Certainly, His, His coming is much nearer than it was when Paul uh, wrote so much about the coming of Christ or when Jesus uh, spoke these words. We need to look up. And how long has it been since you thought, well, this might be the day when the Lord would come? He says, look up. Lift up your heads, for your redemption, redemption draweth nigh. Can we go to Second uh, John chapter 1? Here's a, a passage that tells us that we need to look to ourselves for a certain reason, a very important reason. Second John chapter 1, which of course uh, only has one chapter, right? And uh, chapter 1, 7 and through 11, it says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. With the uh, pastor watching over the flock and the people obeying his leadership and following his leadership, he's going to receive a greater reward. He's going to receive, if, if those uh, members of the flock do not follow him, then uh, uh, the reward is not going to be as great, but they're going to lose out too. Isn't that what it says? Look to yourselves that you lose not those things which we have wrought but that we receive a full reward, he says, we. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and, his son, and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. If... Uh, Somebody is bringing false doctrine. I'll, I'll, I'll name names tonight. A Mormon or uh, a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, particularly, they come with false doctrine. They do not believe that Jesus Christ is very God. They, they, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that there is an eternal hell. And, and they're messed up in the scriptures. And they come presenting themselves as people of God. But they have false doctrine. According to this passage of Scripture, uh, you should not let them even come into your house. 
Um, I remember one time uh, out here on Long Island, there was a, a lady came to the house and she wanted to come in. I wouldn't let her come in, but I said, I'll tell you what. I think that this would be in the Lord's will for me to go and meet with you and teach you. And so uh, we got together, come to find out uh, she had one of the big men from the organization come. And when we got through, I believed more in the Word of God than I ever had before, believed that I was right, and they never bothered me again. I don't recommend that for every time, but uh, uh, I know one thing, that if you let them come in and you uh, bid them Godspeed, uh, according to the Word of God, you become partakers of their evil deeds. Amen? Well, one or two amens on that. John chapter 4, verse 35 tells us somewhere else to look. John chapter 4, verse 35. It says, Say ye not, there are yet four months. You know that scripture. Then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. They're white right now to harvest. So look on the fields. And then uh, uh, in closing tonight, let me give you uh, one more thing. Tells us what to look for. The Bible tells us what to look for. In Jude chapter 1, verse 21. Jude chapter 1, verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Look for mercy, not for fearful looking of the judgment. Uh, God's a merciful God. God is a loving God. And too many of us carry around the guilt complex and think that God doesn't love us. Well, look to God for mercy, realizing that, you know, it's not getting what you really uh, deserve. Uh, mercy. And... Uh, we need to understand that, that uh, as his children, God loves us and cares for us. And I know I carried around a lot of guilt complex and I wrestled with that thing. But you know what? God says that he has buried our sins in the depths of the sea, in the sea of forgetfulness. And he doesn't bring them up. The only one that brings them up, if we made them right, is the devil. And maybe... Uh, ourselves. I remember this one uh, man, he was, uh, I believe, the father-in-law of a preacher out in California, and we were holding a meeting there, and he came up the altar, and he was weeping. And so I asked the pastor later, I said, who was that? And he told me, I think he said it was his father-in-law, as I remember. And he said, uh, he, he comes to the altar often, and he comes and weeps. There's something he did back years ago, and he can't forget about it, so he comes back and weeps about it. And when God has forgiven it, it's under the blood, um, put it from you and go on and serve God. Look for mercy. But then something else in 2 Peter 3, verse 13 and 14. 2 Peter 3. Still with us, Peter? Okay, hang in there. We're almost done. Won't be long now, the monkey said when he got his tail caught in this mowing machine. All right, 2 Peter 3, 13 and 14. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. 
Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. There was a fellow asked me the other day, he said, uh, what do you think we're going to be in eternity? I said, well, we're going to be in heaven. We're going to be in the new Jerusalem. We're going to be on the new earth. We're going to have access to it all. And we ought to be looking forward to that a little bit. And if we would do that, I think maybe we'd draw a little closer to the Lord. Let's do what Abraham did in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Let's see, that's back to the left, isn't it? Hebrews 11 and uh, verse 8 and 9. Hebrews 11, verse 8 and 9. It happens to say there, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith he had sojourned in a land of promise, as in... Uh, a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now, when he went out to the land of Canaan, was he looking for a city there that had been built by God? A city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God? You think about that. This is way back there in the book of Genesis. Abraham was looking for a city that God made. What's he talking about? Well, I believe uh, he's talking about the city of heaven and dwelling with God. So how did he find out about that? And there was a lot of communication went on with Abraham and the Lord. And a lot of things the Lord showed him. And I can't help but believe that he passed them on down to his offspring. And uh, they knew a lot more than what we give them credit for, some of them. And then uh, uh, something along that same line in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. Titus. Aren't we having fun tonight? If you uh, look at the scriptures, it'll help you remember them better than me just getting up here and reading them or quoting them. But Hebrews 11, verse, I'm sorry, Hebrews, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, it says, For, by, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we should look for that blessed hope. Tells us where to look. Tells us what not to look towards. Tells us how to look. Tells us what to look for. To look for mercy. To look for new heavens and new earth. To look for a city which God has made. To look for that blessed hope. I remember, uh, I don't know, I would know I was in grade school. I couldn't have been too old because uh, I was going to uh, one school and and that I moved to another one and so I'd only gone just a few grades in the, in the first school and so I had to be very young but the first time I'd ever been away from home by myself and then I was going to grandmother's house I was going there to take care of her 
uh, her brother had died who stayed with her, and uh, it was harvest time, and they needed my older brother and and my sister to work in the harvest, and so I was chosen to go take care of my grandmother. And it was only about probably two or three miles at the most uh, from where we lived. And so I went there, and I would uh, help get her cow up for and get water down to spring and do different things around the house. But I started getting homesick. I started getting homesick. And I want to tell you something. There's no disease like homesick, you know, being homesick. You can't take anything for it. There's no pill you can take for it. You just uh, have to be home, that's all, or see somebody from home. They help help you get over it. And so finally, uh, my grandmother called my mother up on the old, uh, you know, ring, whatever it is, crank telephone, told, told my mother that, that I was homesick. She said, well, I'll send Bill after you, after him. So when I found out that my older brother was coming, my elder brother, by the way, was coming to take me home, I planted myself out in the front yard, and I knew exactly where he was going to come out of the woods. I knew the path, and uh, I knew that uh, he would break through the woods right at a certain place on that trail, and I'd be able to see him. And so I stood and watched for him. And as soon as I saw Bill coming through that path, and down that path through that woods, all my homesickness left me. And we uh, took our good old time going home. We tried to catch minnows and crawl dads along the way and just had a good time. I'd forgotten all about my homesickness. And you know, sometimes uh, more so than others, but we get homesick for heaven, do we not? Well, one of these days, our elder brother's going to come. He's going to take us home. And when we see him, all that sorrow and all that weeping and all that pain is going to be gone forever when Jesus comes. We need to look for that blessed hope. There is one other thing that I'd like to give you tonight in Isaiah 45, 22. You need not turn there. But uh, here, the prophet says that the Lord is saying to, to us, and to his people, and to the world, really, look unto me, and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Look unto me. You know, once you come to the place where you realize you have a need, lost person, when you come to the place where you see yourself as a sinner, and realize that there is no hope in yourself, you can't save yourself, and you realize that you're lost, you're on your way to hell, it's very simple to be saved. All you have to do is see by faith the cross of Jesus Christ. Realize that he died for you there, that he was buried, and he rose again the third day. And Paul said, this is the gospel by which you're saved. It is said of Spurgeon when he was a young man that he came under a deep conviction of his lost condition, and he was uh, seeking salvation. And he said he visited a church that was kind of, I believe there was a storm, and he wasn't able to make the... Church of England where they usually went. And uh, it was a church that was kind of out of the way across the tracks, that kind of uh, church. And there was a, the pastor was gone and the layman was up preaching that night. And uh, Spurgeon sat down near the front and it, he preached 
on that text right there that I gave you and the other passage that says that, uh, you know, it's not by the rich, it's not by power, it's by his might. And he said, now, it doesn't say here that you have to have a lot of knowledge. It doesn't say here that you have to have a lot of money. He says that if you look to Jesus Christ, that he'll save you. And he looked down and he could tell that Spurgeon was under conviction. And he said, young man, if you'll look to Jesus tonight, he'll save you. And Spurgeon said, I looked. And that's all it takes. When we come to the place where we see our need of salvation. A lot of uh, looks in the Bible, but if you're without Christ, the first one that you need to take is a look to the cross. And he'll save you. Look unto me, all you ends of the earth, and be ye saved, for I am God, and there's none else. He does the saving. Let's bow our heads in prayer tonight. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands tonight. But I just want to say to you, I'm going to ask the girls if they have the song to come and sing. I didn't tell them before, but I'm telling them now. And I'm begging them. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one looking around, please. I just want to say tonight that you're not sure that you're saved. The Lord Jesus is willing and ready to save you. For he said, whosoever will may come and take of the water of life freely. Also, child of God tonight, what are you looking at? Are you looking around in fear? Are you looking at material possessions? Are you looking at yourself more than looking at the Lord and others? Open up your eyes. The Apostle Paul talked about the eyes of your understanding being lightened. Open them up and get the right look tonight. Father, we pray you'd bless this invitation. We pray you'd speak to hearts this evening. If we've been looking at the wrong things, I pray, God, that you would help us to get our eyes in the right direction. Help us to look beyond this world. Realize that you're still on the throne. That you're still the mighty God. You're still able to save. You're still able to keep. You're still able to give us joy and victory. Help us, Lord, tonight we pray in this time of invitation, and we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Shall we stand?